You are Locked On Aggies, your daily podcast on the Texas A&M Aggies, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back in action, talking all things Texas A&M. And congratulations to the seven guys who made it onto the All-SEC team. What an accomplishment for Texas A&M. What an accomplishment and an improvement from 2019 to 2020. But on top of all that, let's also talk a little bit about what has been happening around the college football realm. And let's discuss a little bit more of the NFL. There is a former Aggie who is putting up spotlight numbers yet isn't getting the credit he deserves. Kind of sounds a little bit like an A&M team that is sitting at an Orange Bowl instead of a college football playoff. Before we begin, make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson. I am the host of the show, and I love public feedback. Anything you can do to help make this a more quality-sounding podcast Monday through Friday, give me a follow online at Mr. Cole Thompson, and I will put it into the repertoire. Secondly, Locked on Aggies. Locked on Aggies is your number one source for all things 12-man-related content found here on LOP. You can always subscribe on iTunes, listen on Spotify, and if you can't do any of that, listen live every single day at LockedOnPodcast.com. Before we do any of that, before we go any further in this conversation, before we talk anything more about what will be happening with Texas A&M, their bowl game, the players who had a good year, we got to talk about the brand new SEC hire. All the SEC schools have been filled at this current time. I still believe there could be a, a reasoning to where one other school does let go of a coach in the future, but it's looking like we now know who are going to be the next head coaches in the SEC. And the final name, the final one that came out, might be the most shocking one of all. Shane Beamer did his part as a member of the South Carolina staff, working with the cornerbacks and the outside linebackers, then working his way up to being a special teams coordinator. He did his job working at Virginia Tech, Georgia, and finally at Oklahoma. He is now headed back to the SEC, a school he was very close with as uh, as a member of the, st- of the Gamecock staff, now being the head coach at South Carolina. Clark Leah is a name that a lot of people probably don't know. He took a shot to go leave the SEC, go to Notre Dame, work with Brian Kelly. He produced one of the best defenses in Vanderbilt, I mean, in, in Notre Dame history. He's going back to his alma mater of Vanderbilt. What an accomplishment for him. And Auburn, Auburn, who fired the likes of Gus Malzahn despite having a winning record, despite posting quality numbers, despite making it to not just one, but two SEC championship games. Winning the SEC title and, of course, going to the national title game along with the New Year's Six Bowl was fired in favor of Brian Harson of Boise State. I'm going to tell you right now, anyone who does not know who Brian Harson is is definitely okay in this situation. Because if I know who Brian Harson is, because if I do more national recruiting stuff, I follow a lot of different teams. I know who Brian Harson is. I've watched his program at Boise State. I've watched what the Broncos have done from the departure of Chris Peterson to what Harson has brought to the table. And he's been a very sound coach for the Broncos. Here's the problem. It's the Mountain West and the SEC. It is completely different recruiting styles. It is a completely different culture. It is a completely different brand that he has no affiliation to at all. Everyone believed Harson was at the right spot because of he was back at his alma mater. Keep in mind, Harson played quarterback for the Broncos back in 1995 before trying to make it into the NFL. He floated around a little bit. 
He became the offensive coordinator at the University of Texas, then became the head coach at Arkansas State as part of that three-year program where a coach came in and left. First it was Freeze, then it was Malzahn. After that was Harson. Harson got the gig at Boise State. He has been nothing but credible there since. But SEC fans do not like this hire. And I get it. I really do. Because if you're looking at a guy who's coming from a completely different system, a completely different style, a completely different stratosphere in recruiting, in you know, in, in winning percentages, in, in facing opponents, it's a whole different game that a lot of, I would say, SEC fans don't really understand. But I can tell you this right now. Harson is a winner. Through and through, he's a winner. He's been a one-year six bowl that was in his very first year when he went 12-2 and with the Broncos staff, which basically was a Chris Peterson team, uh, bringing up a Fiesta Bowl victory over the likes of, uh, I'm trying to remember who was in that game. Was it Baylor? Was it uh, TCU? Uh, no, it was Arizona. That was right. It was Arizona in the, uh, in the Fiesta Bowl in 2014. Since the team has not missed a game in the uh, realm of college football bowl games. They've been in a bowl game every single year. The Poinsettia Bowl, they won. The Cactus Bowl, they lost. They won the Las Vegas Bowl. They lost the Las Vegas Bowl. They played in the First Responders Bowl. Uh, they lost that one, unfortunately. Uh, they won the conference championship, I believe, three or four times, if I'm not mistaken, under him. The best season they had was the 12-2 se- season. He also had four double-digit win seasons. Now, maybe that's because the Mountain West is the Mountain West, and you look at the teams that are there. I mean, you have Fresno State. You got, you know, you know a few other smaller programs out there. Sandy, uh, San Jose State. I mean, like, that's the, that's the level of maturity there. But there's no denying that winning wins. And with a 69-19 record all-time, 45-8 and eight inside of conference play, this is exactly what you want. The biggest thing that people are kind of also bringing up right now is that it's another Auburn's going to Auburn because Auburn replaced Gene Chizik with Gus Malzahn, who basically was there afterwards. He went away for a year to prove if Chizik couldn't be the guy, he would be. And then a year after that, you look at, you know, you look at now what's happening. Harson replaced Malzahn to prove that he was the guy for Boise State, and Boise State got him. And now he's replacing Malzahn once again down in the plains of Auburn. Everyone remember when Malzahn was supposed to be this hot-minded offensive mind that would come in and change the way we look at college football and the way we look at the SEC? Harson might be the same thing. It's just he's a different type of player. And unfortunately, we've already seen how the West Coast-style offense, air raid offense, isn't really thriving so much with Mike Leach down in Mississippi State. But give it a year. Let it be a year in the system. Let players learn exactly what they need to. And maybe next year, if you still see a good defensive performance and a really sound offense coming back with a lot of key players, even though they won't have Kylan Hill, KJ Costello, a few other wide receivers, if they can still build that team up, they're in a very good spot to be successful. Auburn may just not be good next year because they're going through a brand new culture change. They may, though, finish 7-5, and five, which... For a first-year coach coming from a non-Power 5 conference school into the SEC Tiger Den that is a monster pit of madness, I'd consider that actually a pretty good winning season. 7-5 and five is not bad. Give it time, I think Harson will actually be a really good hire. But 
next year with A&M having a lot of talent that is so essential to help them win the college football playoff, this is a very good hire. Because I don't think Harson can turn a program around in a year. I'm not sold that he won't do it a few years from now. I very much like him, and I've actually followed him. He's had four years of top 25 finishes. The highest they ever got was number 16 under him. He knows how to win. Let's just get that out of the way. He knows how to win. And when you look at Auburn fans, and you're going, who the hell is this guy? Well, he's a winner. He's something that when you look at other coaches, wasn't. By the way, Hugh Freeze, I get everyone thought Hugh Freeze was going to go to Auburn. I totally do. I honestly think he's holding out for Tennessee. He's a, he's a Tennessee native. He grew up there. He coached there for a while. He coached high school there for a very long time. Everyone knows his story with Tennessee. I think Ole Miss was the job that he wanted. I think Tennessee's the only job he would take to leave to go somewhere else. The holiday season is right around the corner, and what is a better gift to give someone than quiet and relaxation? Listen, the way the world is today, we're always on the go, 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 feeling like it's nonstop action for us to never be able to sit back, relax, and spend some quality me time with ourselves. That's why I recommend when you have a moment to unwind, crack open an ice-cold beer that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. Coors Light wants you to know no matter what sport is on this fall season and winter season, there will always be something for you to do. Football is therapeutic for the mind, for the fan, for the body, because it's uninterrupted me time to sit back and drink an ice-cold one. Plus, Coors Light is cold-filtered, cold-lagered, cold-pressed, and made by the great people of the Coors Brewing Company in Golden, Colorado. And those Blue Mountains will tell you every single time you're in for a delicious treat. Coors Light is the beer I choose when I need to unwind, so when you want to hit your reset button, grab the beer that's literally made to chill. Get Coors Light delivered straight to your door in the new delivery system at get.coorslight.com. And always remember, celebrate responsibly. Guys, this episode of Locked on Aggies is brought to you by Bilt Bar. Now, you know the Bilt Bar code of the past, 12 different flavors, 12 different varieties, but with six new flavors, including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, lemon almond cheesecake, and carrot cake, there are more delicious treats for you to try every single day. They're more like candy bars than they are protein bars because they're covered in 100% soft chocolate and they're easy to chew. They're great for someone who's a health-conscious guy. They can help you lose or maintain weight, but they also let you indulge in a delicious treat. That's because the bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and great for someone on the keto diet. My favorite flavor right now is the peanut butter brownie. I take it every single day before I go work out. 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, 5 grams of sugars, 5 grams of net carbs. You're not going to find a product like this anywhere else out on the shelves. And when you go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON, you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Stop eating those salty sweets and enjoy a treat that will meet your daily needs while making you look and feel better. Built Bar from BuiltBar.com. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked on Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back in action talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, the holidays are here, so I'm giving you a hot tip and help you earn some extra cash right before the start of the new year. The new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by Steve Luring of ParamountSports.com. Lee is red hot to start the season as he shares his locks of the day on every single episode. Subscribe at Locked on Bets together wherever you get your podcast systems. 
Plus, while you're at it, with the college football playoff picture around and bowl games around the corner, why not listen to a favorite college sports podcast right here on LockedOnPodcast.com. We have over two dozen college sports shows, plus every team covered in the college football playoff realm. That means Locked On Bama, Locked On Irish, Locked On Buckeyes, and Locked On Clemson. Subscribe on iTunes, listen on Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast listening systems today. Texas A&M. A lot of people are probably wondering, okay, why are we still talking about them in a certain relevancy? Well, I'm going to tell you why. Because this year was a big year for the team to take that next step forward. Seven players from A&M received a membership to the All-SEC team this past year. Of course, you had your first teamers, which included Isaiah Spiller and defensive lineman Bobby Brown. Your second teamers, tight end Jalen Weidemeyer. Offensive lineman, three came out of here. Kenyon Green... Dan Moore Jr. and Carson Green, plus you also had the likes of your all-freshman team, which included McKinley Jackson. Great job by all of them, but let's just focus in on a little bit of some of these players. I really want to go talk a lot about Spiller. Spiller was the headline of the Aggies ground game, and he amassed over 986 yards, seven touchdowns in just nine contests this year. He ranked third in the league in rushing yards behind Alabama's Najee Harris and South Carolina's Kevin Harris, both of which played more games. Spiller also split first-team running back honors with Harris. On top of all of that, he also had to split carries with the likes of Isaiah Spiller and late in the end of the season, Devon Shane. So when you combine all that together, Great numbers for a guy who is trying to show he is the lead back. I think going into next year, with Harris likely declaring for the NFL draft, uh, with Kevin Harris not sure what he's going to do, you know that right now Spiller is likely going to be the leading guy for the team. Brown, the junior defensive tackle out of Arlington, Martin, and Dallas, Texas, only played in eight games this year because he missed the trip to Mississippi State, but he tallied 20 total tackles, eight total sacks, and was second on the team in 5.5 sacks. He was tied for fifth in the SEC in tackles. To do that and be tied for fifth in tackles as a defensive lineman, is challenging. More than any of that, it's just really hard to be able to consistently make plays as in the middle of the field. Nobody knows what's going to happen there. And you have to be very on point. Eight tackles for losses, 20 total tackles on the year. He did a good job. He did a very good job in a limited season for a team that needed him to step up. I like him. I love Jaden Peavy. I like McKinley Jackson. There's a great nucleus to be built in the middle of Texas A&M football in the trenches, which is where most teams are going to want to win next year. Sometimes, again, the ground game has to work, and against A&M, it's not going to. Weidemeyer, once again, had a hell of a year, led the Aggies in receptions with 45 and had a team-high 502 yards to go with six touchdowns. He now, I believe I'm not mistaken, has the most touchdowns for a tight end in school history, and he's a sophomore. That is an accomplishment. The biggest thing he's made strides at was he picked up the role as a key blocker in the run game. They have allowed AM to average over 2.9 yards per game. And the only reason he probably didn't get first-team honors is because the guy who's probably going to go top 10 in the NFL draft and Kyle Pitts got them. I mean, when you really think about it, Kyle Pitts was more of a receiver that was playing that big flex role that a lot of teams are trying to convert to, uh, uh, tight ends too 
if they can't be successful in inline blocking, they're a very good spot. So you look at Pitts. Pitts pretty much was the ultimate go-to receiver for Florida. And they had a lot of weapons. Cadavious Tony is the biggest weapon of all. But they have so many weapons for Florida. It's hard to sit here and go, okay, I don't get why Weidemeyer wasn't in the top spot. This is almost a thousand yard receiver at the tight end position. He's going to be the John Mackey award winner. He's going to be a top 10, top 15 pick in the NFL draft. They're in a very good spot. If you are, um, if you're Florida, if you're Pitts, yeah, the next best tight end was Weidemeyer. And I think a lot of A&M fans can accept that. Three members of the Maroon Green squad were named to the second team. In fact, they were also a finalist for the Joe Moore Award, not having a single first-teamer in the rankings on any spot. Now, the Joe Moore Award, for anyone who doesn't know, is for the best offensive line in college football. They allowed an average of just .4 sacks in nine games, the lowest average in the nation over the last 15 years. The last time a team had under one sack per game, before this year, came in 2005 when Minnesota did that and they averaged 0.25 sacks a year. Kenyon Green has already been mentioned as a possible first-team All-American at the guard position. He is expected to move to the outside next year as an offensive tackle. It's exactly what we saw with Cedric Abwehi, exactly what we saw with Luke Jokel, exactly what we saw with Jake Matthews, exactly what we saw with all of these guys. They all moved to the tackle position going into a big-time year. And then guess what? They all thrived there because they had their experience on the offensive line. They knew what they were blocking. They knew what they were looking for. And then after all of that, they got drafted in the first round. AM has four first-round offensive linemen in the last, I don't even know, what is it now? Five, eight, eight years? Eight, eight, yeah, eight years. They have four offensive tackles taken in Jokel, Matthews, Abwehi, and Effetti. I mean, so th- they've done a good job. And that's exactly what AM really wants. Names that seem to be kind of left off the list I thought were a little bit strange. Buddy Johnson for second-team linebacker. I mean, you look at the list overall, it's understanding who were the first two linebackers. It was Nick Bolton, Dylan Moses, and and Grant Morgan. Nick Bolton, to me, is the best linebacker in college football. Uh, Dylan Moses came in a close second for me. Uh, Grant Morgan did a very good job. But then you look at the third group. Ezio uh, Giulirari, who is a great run-stopper. Bumper pool who I didn't even know had a good year, and Chris Allen, who came on really strong towards the end of the season. Buddy Johnson was consistent to where I think you could have made an argument that he should have been the guy put into this number, the second team spot, over a guy like Harris. Now, there's nothing wrong with him at all. I mean, you look at what Allen's done all year. Allen was great when he played. But Allen, at the same time, you know, played in a limited role in a 3-4 system, where Buddy Johnson was the leader of the defense. And he had to really step up after Anthony Hines opted out. So I would have given it to him. DeMarvin Leal, I would have at least put him on the second team. What he was able to do in disrupting the pass rush. Big Cat Bryant, Jordan Davis, Deo um, Ogunbayo, and Ali Gay. All are understandable picks. But none of them actually had more sacks than Leal. None of them created an interception. Only two of them had more pass deflections at the line of scrimmage. That, to me, is where the problem is. I like, don't get me wrong, I think Leal is great, and I understand why other players got ahead of him, but Leal should have been at least a second-teamer. Secondly, Jalen Jones being left off the all-rookie team is a big miss right there. There was not a better freshman cornerback in the SEC this past season. Malachi Moore is the only one who I think you could give a compliment to, and that's because of 
Malachi Moore was able to shut down A&M's rec receivers, but he did struggle against Kadavius Toney in the SEC Championship game. Jones struggled against Jalen Weidemeyer immensely. He struggled against Devonta Smith, the Slim Reaper. Outside of that, he had a pretty good season. So you're going to tell me that you're going to leave him off. That's like saying, I'm going to leave off Derek Stingley because of we put on Greedy Williams that year or Christian Fulton that year. That's what it sounds like. Oh, we're going to leave him off because we already have an LSU player on here. That was dumb to me. I, I, I don't understand that one. Coming up on tomorrow's show, let's do an Ask an Aggies. The holiday season is right around the corner. I'm going to be your Santa wish list. Tell me what you want to hear. Tell me what you want to know. Tell me what you want to have brought onto the show, and I will bring it in. Send your questions over to at Mr. Cole Thompson or at Locked on Aggies. I will add it into the mix for tomorrow's show. The college football playoff season is right around the corner, and with that, that means we have big-time games coming into bowl season, and there's always a big-time matchup every single week. Plus, the NFL season is winding down, and they're getting closer to the playoff picture. There's only one place that will have you covered, and the one place we trust, betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code Locked On for 50% off your welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in the action and make your bets today. Go visit our good friends and exclusive partners at betonline.ag to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and use the promo code Locked On for your sign-up bonus with the hashtag BetOn on Twitter. You'll get 50% off your next bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines. Get into action. Start making bets today. Earn yourself a little bit of holiday cash this upcoming offseason and prepare for a better 2021 with betonline.ag. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked on Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back in action talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, make sure you subscribe to the podcast here on iTunes and Spotify. Listen every single day at LockedOnPodcast.com, wherever you get your Locked on Podcast subscriptions. And if you're a fan of the SEC, make sure you get all your information SEC-related five days a week on Locked on SEC. Host Chris Gordy of Sports Talk 790 delivers a unique brand of Southeastern Conference analysis with the help of local expert guests around the SEC network on Locked on Podcasts. Subscribe to Locked on SEC wherever you get your podcast listening systems. So let's talk about a former Texas A&M player who's on pace to have a breakout year. When the AFC Pro Bowl rosters came out, I was certain that there would be a big-time name on that list after the numbers he had posted. Unfortunately, there wasn't, and it was Ryan Tannehill, of all people. The former Texas A&M quarterback has been on pace for the Tennessee Titans since starting in Week 7. Now, a lot of people are saying, yeah, but he's 32 years old, he's having an okay season when you think about it, and the Titans really rely heavily on the run game. Nay, 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 actually. When you think about it, Ryan Tannehill is the actual missing piece to the Titans' success week in and week out. With their victory over the Detroit Lions, they picked up their first double-digit winning season since they went 13-3 back in 2008 and got the number one seed when Kerry Collins was the quarterback bound in the Music City. Let me give you a stat line that just shows how dominant Ryan Tannehill has been for the Tennessee Titans and how he's helped the run game actually be established. Keep in mind, this is the number one rushing attack for a lead running back in the NFL. Now, there are teams that are have better rushing numbers, but for pure lead runner and nothing else, this is the number one. Derrick Henry in 26 games with Ryan Tannehill as the starting quarterback. He has 3,249 yards. Derrick Henry in his first 26 games before Ryan Tannehill became the starting quarterback for the Tennessee Titans. 1,735 yards. To change that up even a step further, 
Ryan Tannehill, since taking over in the past 24 games in Week 7, has thrown for 61 total touchdowns against 10 interceptions. He has a QBR rating of 114. He has over 6,000 passing yards and a completion percentage of 67.1. Of those numbers, he also has a uh, a, a, um, a, a rating in-game of 112. That leads the NFL in QBR rating during that span. That leads the NFL in passer rating during that span. That leads the NFL in total touchdowns during that span. He has the same amount of interceptions in the same amount of games as Patrick Mahomes. His completion percentage is actually better than Mahomes, even though it's less limited. And the difference between the two when it comes to passing yards is 900. Guys, Ryan Tannehill... The reason everyone gave up on him so fast was because of he was a product of the system that was found out in Miami. You're watching it live right now. And this is why I say all the time, let's not give up on Sam Darnold just yet. Because everyone was ready to say nobody could fix Ryan Tannehill. Adam Gase, the offensive guru, could fix, couldn't fix Ryan Tannehill. Nobody can. Nay, nay. Adam Gase was the problem, and Ryan Tannehill was a product of the problem. Since leaving and going to the Music City, his story has completely sung a new tune, and he is in line to be one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL for, I would say, the next two to three, maybe even four years. You look at how Tennessee is built. They have a good running game. They have weapons. They're going to probably pay a little bit more than they probably should to keep Corey Davis. After that, their probably next big signing will be Jeffrey Simmons, maybe Rashad Evans, and then A.J. Brown. That's about it. Everyone else, they already have signed for the next few years. They have Adam Humphreys on the on the waiver. They still have two more years of A.J. Brown. Uh, they already have Derrick Henry through the next four years. They have Tannehill for the next three years. They're set. They have the two most important positions set at left tackle and quarterback. And when you look at this this offense, they can do really whatever they want. If they want to run it 20 times a game, let them. If they want to pass it 25 times a game and rush it 50 times a game, let them. Because what it's showing is you have to be on point nonstop, watching and waiting and hoping that you don't fall for a trick play that goes for big time yards. That's because of the connection that Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry have in the backfield. I'm not sure Derrick Henry is the league's best back without number 17 behind him. And that number 17 started his career off as nothing more than a wide receiver who ended up becoming one of the most undervalued players in Texas A&M history. That's good for this edition of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast systems, iTunes, Spotify, or LockedOnPodcast.com. Tomorrow's show, guess what? It's a live show, Ask an Aggies. Let's answer your questions. I'll play Santa Claus. I'll get you whatever you want on your wish list. Are you a good boy? Are you a bad girl? Whatever you are, I will answer it for you. No matter what, I'll see you then. And remember, give me y'all. This has been Locked on Aggies. Presented by the Locked On Podcast Network.